Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart here with Betsy. Betsy Vaughan, how's it going? Fantastic. Happy December. <laughs> I know, can you believe it? I was it's talking December. to It's crazy. I was talking to Lucy earlier on today and uh, she's across here just after Christmas. So we were saying that's a great countdown, but an equally good countdown is the fact that the shortest day is just three weeks out from now. So I think in my mind, I've already decided that it instantly becomes summer the day after the shortest day. So I'm preparing myself <laughs> for that not quite being the case, but even so, at least it's heading right, back in the right, right. direction. It has um, time flies when you're having fun. That must be what it is. And right, uh, exactly. It's been a busy week or two. So we took a week off from the podcast over Thanksgiving. Um, I was traveling for a bit, and the schedules just weren't quite aligning. So took a week off then. But uh, it was pretty exciting time. We had a lot of people starting books. Um, I think uh, the majority of people listening to this are probably on the email list and uh, we've mailed the email list a couple of times reminding people to get started on their books to get it completed this year that um, that windows um, well very tight now probably not uh, anyone that's starting now is, is looking at the first couple of weeks in the new year but uh, for the guys that started in November we've had some people moving really fast um, a couple of interesting things we had uh, on the show a while ago Mike Mack, we've talked about him a couple of times because it's a great example of a book. He had his launch on Amazon.ca over Thanksgiving weekend and he hit number one in, I think they said six categories was uh, his book became bestseller in six categories. And then it peaked in terms of Amazon.ca overall, it peaked at number 36. That was uh, that's a little crazy. So Mike's update had a lot of um we've talked about it before so listen back to the mike mac episode I'll, I'll stick a link in the show notes but he obviously took a lot of time to add some content into the version two of his book based on the feedback that they've got from version one and then that relaunch of the of the new book they went to quite a lot of effort to to really have a launch event around it they had a great opportunity to do a charity event as well so really was a, a pretty fantastic launch of the of the second version but uh a nice email from their guys today giving us uh, an update of, of how successful yeah. that was that's um you know that's a great book if people once people listen to the podcast um with mike in it and i've said it before on the show that i am kind of a groupie of his but um when you get the opportunity to work with someone that is um the caliber and character of, of someone like a mike mack who just offer so much. And I feel like that I learned a lot from him. Like his, you know, he's all about remarkable service at the title of the book. And that's what he presents. That's what his team presents. And it's a great reminder for anyone in business, either for yourself or working for someone else that um, that's how we should be, you know, and you see the successes that he's had with his, you know, different clients, um, recommending them the growth that they have seen. And it really is a nice reminder for, for those of us who, who work with people on a day-to-day basis, you know, of the service that we should be, uh, you know, always offering to every client. But um, he's such a, just a great guy to work with. His whole team over there is, is just, they're just a bunch of positive individuals that are you know, very pleasant to be around. Yeah. So I'm excited. Any business owner should definitely be reading. Go to Amazon, read his book, Remarkable Service. It's, it's well worth it. 
Yeah, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes as well. So uh, make it easy for people to, yeah. to grab a copy. It's so easy to get stuck in the, the weeds of the day-to-day operations. It's definitely good to be reminded of kind of why you're in business in the first place and the, the small things that can make a big difference. So yeah, it is a great read. Um, one of the other things that we had, which was pretty interesting, I think this is the first time we've done this. One of the new authors came on board in the middle of November. They had a big press-related event or photo opportunity where they wanted mm-hmm. a cover of a book um, to kind of pre-sell um, or set the scene for, for the book when they have complete it over the next few weeks or so. So we were able to pretty quickly get a a, a dummy version or a mocked up version of their book up to them so they could kind of stand on stage mm-hmm. with that photo opportunity so that was really great to be able to to do that and that event went down really well give them an opportunity to pre-sell um precede their market with the fact that that book's coming along and then collect some leads beforehand um which as i'm talking about this i've just remembered something else that i need to do so give myself a quick note there uh-huh. but uh but that was an interesting one and again it just goes to show the the opportunity that people have got as they're thinking about not just writing the book for the sake of writing a book or, or getting stuck on the execution of it, but really thinking about how it can be used in various different scenarios. So this opportunity came up pretty last minute. They they'd almost um, literally just come on board. So um, to be able to move pretty fast and, and get something useful and for those guys to be thinking about it in terms of actual usage rather than just the, the execution and completion, real great opportunity there. Um, that, yeah, that's so, that's so true. And I will say um, people you know, ask me, I, I say to people a lot, like, you know, you finish your design work and sometimes it's okay to go ahead and start putting it out there, you know, go ahead and promote yourself on social media. And our team does a great job of, of, doing some images, you know, that will allow for that as well. And I'm always happy to send those things to people to get, get that ball rolling, you know, ball rolling, you know, you um, get it out there and look at how you're going to start using it and, and get people pumped up about it. And um, I think that what like, you're talking about Jeff Peoples here in this example, and um, you know, he's got the cover, he's got it up, he's got the whole, whole thing. So it's really exciting to see what, what comes of that, you know, what kind of a response he gets before his book is is close to being finished so um it's interesting to see people the as they're actually using it and the surprising examples that come back or the surprising feedback that um, people going into the project don't necessarily expect we've talked about uh kevin craig in the past there's a there's a show up with kevin take a look at the interview shows on the website and one of the early ones is kevin whole business consulting business came there from what really started off as a Mm -hmm. book where he was just getting uh, a little bit fed up to a certain degree of of saying the same things Mm -hmm. to people as they were asking so so to baseline his knowledge if people asked for advice he could give them give them the book i was talking with paul morrissey who's across here in the uk it's a osteopath and shockwave consultant the first book that he's written is for patients, the shockwave solution, and is now written a book targeting practitioners. But the whole practitioner side of his business, people asking for training and consulting, um, mm. the fact that the industry body and the leading manufacturer is picking up a lot of his stuff and sharing it through their channels, it really has opened up a or developed further him as a leading a leading light, a leading influencer within the shockwave community in the UK here. It's great to hear people kind of 
going into it with one idea or going into it with the thought of this is something I should really do and then ending up with with channels or routes to market or audiences that are um, very much invisible before that and, and opening up to opportunities that are exciting and new and, and letting people really share their expertise. Exactly. Yeah, that's, um, it is great. Great to see that. Great to see what opportunities come from this. So, yeah. um, so today yeah. we wanted to run through and pick up where we left off last time. So in the last show, we were talking about the concept of scorecards and how it's a great lead converting tool a little bit further into the funnel, maybe, although as with everything, there's always more than one use, so you can use it for lead generation, but very good on lead converting to demonstrate to people who have already got something of an understanding of the framework or the business or the mindsets or the, the thing that you're trying to share already have a introductory understanding of that. A scorecard is a great way of people then baselining themselves or scoring themselves against that system whereby the outcome is that they've self-identified themselves as being the perfect candidate or needing further assistance or identifying to themselves that the product and service that you offer is a perfect match for what what they're looking to resolve in the first place so we were talking quite a lot about the profit activator score scorecard and again, recommendation for anyone listening in that hasn't done it already, jump across to profitactivatorscore.com and fill out your own scorecard because that is going through the eight profit activators, the breakthrough DNA framework. And we refer back to that within the book context quite a lot because the early stages of that, how to identify invisible leads is very much what, uh, what we focus on a lot of time. So. That's a great example. Hopefully everyone's got a chance to dive over there and grab that. This episode, and probably for the next couple of weeks, I wanted to run through the new book blueprint scorecard. So this is specifically looking at you as a business owner, as a community leader, as someone that's got a very um, important message to share, how you can write a book that best supports those goals. So the book book blueprint scorecard tripping over the words the book blueprint <laughs> scorecard isn't uh to help you write some fiction uh, we're just coming out of november now so nanowrimo's just finished which is the the big fiction push at this time of year every year helping people write fiction this is very much around uh, not specifically lead generation but but books with a particular call to action a, a, an end goal in mind but this is a great framework across eight mindsets that will really help you dial in each of those stages to create a book that really gives you the most, the most bang, the most, uh, the most results for the efforts that you put into it. So right, let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So you and I have gone through it a couple of times, obviously offline. We're just in the process now of pushing the website live and anyone, again, listening in another example of a scorecard and specifically you should do it because you're listening to a book podcast is head over to bookblueprintscore.com and then you can follow through for yourself and enter in your score and and get the results there based on the mindsets that we'll go through. Um so you and I've gone through it. We'll talk about it and put some a link to the to the scorecard in the show notes. So anyone wanting to grab a copy of that, just head across to 90minutebooks.com, follow the link for the 
podcast and this is going to be episode 46 so 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast forward slash 046 and there'll be a, a copy of the the complete scorecard there or head across to bookblueprintscore.com and then you can follow through on the online version but um as we talk through it i think we'll address one mindset at a time we'll see how long that takes us to go through obviously a couple of opportunities to kind of go into some details but across the board looking at it from the first time being in the business and knowing the the kind of general direction that we're heading the things that we we talk to people the eight mindsets did you get the feeling that those eight mindsets kind of covered the journey um covered each of the elements that we're we're talking about did anything oh yeah not uh no absolutely no no i think i think there's a nice flow there i think you um definitely you can you can see it and feel it as you're you know you're looking at the mindset um it all kind of flows very well makes sense and um speaks to you at each different level you know um so I think for today, we're going to look at the first mindset today, which is choosing a single target, a specific target audience. So this is a variation uh-huh. on the single target market theme. I'm not going to go too much into detail on this particular one because we've uh-huh. talked about this a lot and it comes up a lot in the conversations. So there are some earlier podcasts that are really looking at choosing that single target market. Anyone that's not clear mm-hmm. on what we mean by that can dive into those earlier episodes a little bit more so we'll we'll run through it what i wanted to do also today as we're positioning it is just help people think about the, a scorecard as a tool for their own business and then we can specifically get into the eight mindsets the book blueprint mindsets and then talk to people as they're thinking about writing their own book so five minutes on the first one and then we'll we'll finish off the last 10 minutes or so on the on the mindset number one okay so last time we were talking about the scorecard being a great conversion tool and how it works best if you have almost like a linear flow kind of a a direction that you're taking people on from start to finish so rather than eight individual mindsets that are just loosely related to the topic it helps if possible, and obviously this isn't possible for every business, but it helps if they kind of build on themselves and develop. So the profit activator score, that develops through the eight mindsets from the before unit through the during unit to the after unit. So there's kind of a logical progression there, which helps as you're reading it because you start at the beginning and move through. The book blueprint scorecard starts at selecting a single target market, the who you'd talking to and then finishes off with the beyond your book elements of okay now it's complete what are you thinking about next so again there's there's a logical progression so anyone that's thinking about creating one for their own business where possible hold that in mind and thinking about it so in november coincidentally enough we had a couple of um, dental businesses come on board uh, and in fact you were just saying as we jumped on the call you were speaking to someone else in the dental business before we were talking right so we must have uh, crossed that uh, that group somehow um i tell you what just on a quick tangent is it always surprises me how weird coincidences are so just to give people an example we were talking the day before yesterday about one of uh-huh. the competitor businesses um competitor in the sense that they're also a book publishing company but are 
positioned at a very different level. These guys were on or focused at a very different group, I guess. Um, these guys were on Shark Tank a number of years ago. As you and I were talking about it, you hadn't seen that show before. And then literally, what was it? Maybe five hours later, you sent me a text saying, I just flicked channels and there's a rerun of the Shark Tank episode of the exact one we were talking about. So with, right. the, uh, with the dentists coming on board, uh, I mean, we've had, I mean, the one that's coming on today that'll maybe be the fourth or fifth book this month from dentists mm-hmm. so yeah yeah always strikes me as funny how you get kind of pockets of of activity coming through at uh at any one time right right anyway bit of a tangent there <laughs> uh, so the the we were talking about the progression of the mindset so dentists as an example rather than having eight completely separate mindsets talking about the whole mix of possible dentistry again under the theme of kind of bringing it together under the the target audience what is the logical progression so does someone come in for regular checkups is that the way that most people come through so having some people having a scorecard around frequency of checkups frequency of cleaning minor dental surgery major dental surgery cosmetic surgery is that the logical progression that most people fall through where they start with something come in with something relatively straightforward and then there's the opportunity to help people solve more and more complex problems um we've talked a few times before about the the veterinarian practices that that we've worked with so again there is that from kind of um, the injection side of things for an animal or pet, the the um, inoculations, the vaccines that they might need as a as a small animal, through to um, the more proactive kind of um, preventative type medicine or treatments that you might want to offer. With Paul as the osteopath over here, talking about um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like. Um, not critical illness, but where people are injured and trying to fix injuries through to their more yeah. their more restorative health and the kind of Pilates and the proactive side of things. All of these things moving people from the start of a journey to an end. Always a risk of trying to kind of artificially stuff it into that framework. So I wouldn't go too far down that route. But if there is something obvious and logical, then it makes more sense to develop it that way. The mindsets then... And my voice is starting to crack a little bit, so I need to take a drink of coffee in a minute. But the mindsets, the development, so for, um, sorry, rather the stages, the development for each of the mindsets, the stages as they move through, we get people to score themselves on a one to four scale, which is a reflection of how the coach tool was built in the first place. So the mindsets, again, it makes much more sense if they can be um, developmental as well. So if someone scores a one on a particular area then it's it indicates a very low competency in that particular mindset if someone scores a 12 Mm -hmm. it should be very high so it's a very refined skill that they've got so again we've said before anyone that's thinking about creating a scorecard for their own business for the stages more so than the individual mindsets really try and make those progressive starting at a low end and going up rather than having four different stages that they could choose from where it's discretionary. So I think I'd use the example before of um, choosing, asking people 
about food preferences in a restaurant, saying to people whether they like fish, steak, pork or chicken isn't quite the same as saying whether they want their steak rare, medium rare, well done or burnt to a crisp. The first example, it could be either or. The second example is much more linear. It's much more you're either at the beginning or you're at the end. So again, Mm -hmm. anyone that's thinking about it in terms of their own business, mindsets that, that kind of enhance or develops people's expertise or or involvement in a particular process is useful, but not essential. The stages, the developmental stages of each mindset, much more important to make that linear. So it's very clear to someone whether they score themselves as a one or score themselves as a 12 or wherever in between. And as we say, starting with the end in mind, the real purpose of a scorecard is you're trying to help people identify themselves as either completely competent across the board therefore they don't really need any help and the product or service that you're trying to share with them isn't that useful or self-identify for themselves that actually i've got some gaps here and clearly this answer that's been suggested is going to help me plug the gaps in those areas so once someone's raised their hand they've then gone through a scorecard to give you some more information about or give themselves even some more information about where they are having the next step, the next email, the next follow-on sequence to say, okay, what we tend to find is that people score broadly across the middle in one of these three areas. If you're low in this, it means A. If you're low in that, it means B. If you're low in the other, it means C. And based on those Mm -hmm. outcomes, here's the very best next step for you. And from the point of view of giving useful advice, those very best next step, I mean, you should be honest and legitimate about that. If the very best next step is nothing to do with you, they should go off and do something else. You should probably say that. We were talking about remarkable service before and and um, the suggestions that Mike makes. Definitely saying to someone, hey, that's great, but um, my product service isn't the best fit for you. You should go here instead. Is going to add value that person was never going to be a customer or was never going to be a good customer. So point mm-hmm. them in a better direction means that at the very least, hopefully they'll remember you at some point in the future and make a recommendation to someone else where it might be a better fit. At exactly. that point, I definitely need to take a drink. Take a drink. You know, when I'm looking at, when you look at the, um, at, let's start with the first mindset, you know, that single, um, target market, you know, identifying them. I ask that question um, a lot when if people don't know my role sometimes is to onboard people. So I have a lot of questions with potential clients before they come on board. And so um, one of the questions I always ask is, okay, well, who is your target market? And can I tell you how often I hear, oh, well, um, oh, um, like there's a, well, there's a pause. Yeah. And I'm I'm really shocked that sometimes that how often a business owner is has really not thought about that something so simple you know and so I think like if you if you truly don't have if you don't have your your target market in mind or you're 12 and you completely know um, your target market and you know how to um, you you know exactly who they are and you know exactly what their needs are and how to help them. I think there's some people kind of in the middle that might get lost sometimes, you know, when you're looking at it yourself going, well, you kind of know what services you have, what you want to sell and what you want to do, but you don't know 
have that understanding of who these customers are that are going to buy them. You know, yeah. um, I'm really taken back quite often by the individuals that we deal with sometimes that don't have a clear vision of that. I think it's strange, isn't it? Because or it's difficult sometimes to think about where other people are coming from. I think in part because we spent so much of what we do in the 90 minute book business crosses over into the coaching and entrepreneurial development business on, on Dean's side and, and around all of the coaching on that. There are eight profit activators and the very first action in pretty much everything we do is considering this single target market, the, the who we're trying to identify and engage with. It's difficult to think back to a time before we were thinking in that framework. But I think you're absolutely right because the majority of people out there are either in a situation where they're rushing from day to day and just the operational side of things or the other side of the, the business is is taking such kind of the mental bandwidth that you've got has been, a lot of it's been taken up with just the day-to-day yeah. stuff. So you kind of know you need to do something and this is something, so you, we really should do this, but haven't necessarily yeah. thought about it. And this is where the scorecard really comes in because it asks you those questions and forces you to think about it. Even if yeah. you don't know the answer today, yeah. it raises the idea that, well, there probably should be an answer to this. And the single target market, I mean, it's... There probably should be an answer to this. Yeah, there should be an answer right. to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the single target market is one of those things, or as we call it in the book, blueprint scorecard the specific target audience but it's the same thing really um that question that has a founding question to almost everything you do whether it's writing a book or running a facebook ad or putting a billboard outside or going to a a live event or reaching out to someone on linkedin whatever it is knowing who it is that you're trying to engage with just makes all of the rest of it. It's kind of like a framing question to all of the other decisions down the track. Okay, well, should I go to this event or this event? Well, who am I trying to target? Who's the best customers? Knowing that it's this group, that helps inform you as to whether choice A or choice B is the correct one to do. It's, um, yeah, it's surprising. I think the good thing is as well, people think about it. And again, this is, it comes straight from the, the breakthrough blueprint, the profit activator score the full title of this mindset is actually choose a single target market one at a time. So it's not that you're tying yourself to only ever targeting this one group of people. It's not like you're excluding everyone else forever. And it's not even as if saying, okay, well, this particular campaign, let's stick to the book. So this particular book that I'm writing, I'm writing it to this target market. But if someone from outside of that target market requests a copy of it, I'm not going to refuse to send it to them. If they then turn out to be customers, I'm not going to revalidate where they came from and tell them that I'm not going to work with them if they're not part of this particular group. It's just right. the it's just the effort, the outgoing activity, the, the thing that takes mental and financial commitment, tie it into a single target market because then it makes everything around that campaign much more beneficial. And it might well be the case that a whole second target market, a different group, reveals itself because you didn't realize that this group of people really resonated and then in the book sense the version two you can pivot the version two slightly to address that target market instead of the original one it might be that it's a whole second target market so it's worth creating uh well paul again i was talking to paul this week so that's why it's fresh in my mind but 
Right. A, a perfect example. The book that we wrote, first of all, was for patients. It was the shockwave solution, helping patients to understand what it is, because it's a technology, a science that isn't necessarily understood as a alternative to surgery for certain conditions. So there's an amount of um, trepidation that customers have going into it. But actually, a lot of the take up for it, and it's really resonated with the practitioner side. So now writing the practitioner's guide to Shockwave of how to set up your practice and how to engage with customers, that's a whole other market that wouldn't have come across. So it's not like Paul said, okay, well, I wrote the book for customer, so you're a practitioner, so I'm not going to send it to you. We shared it as as wide as we possibly could, knowing that actually sending it to other practitioners to a certain degree is is giving it directly to competitors. Um, but even so, a whole second market's come up. Now, in that situation, yeah. it's not that we're going to do a version two of the first book and change it to be a practitioner's book. It's that the second target market, the practitioners, is clearly a defined group. Um, so it's that type of thing. But knowing that from our campaign, so we were aiming for customers first of all. So where we send that book out to, who we interact with, the language that we use around it, knowing that it still primarily resonates with customers who are of a certain age, have had a condition for a certain period of time, fall within the six main conditions, which are kind of certified in the UK, for want of a better term. Knowing exactly who those people are means that all of the advertising campaigns around it, all of the Facebook targeting, all of the language around the follow-up sequences is all specific to that group. And the fact that a second group has come up from the side of it is a bonus and and just a development from there. So that's the real benefit of picking and running with a single target market. It just makes every other decision easier. We talk about it quite a lot. <laughs> I notice that when I get passionate about a subject, I kind of talk louder and faster. So I'm take a breath and slow down a minute. But um, it's such a fundamental benefit of the whole rest of the project, which is really why it comes first. It gives you a scope and a tone and a direction, knowing who you're talking to when you're creating it. You're not trying to be too broad. It gives you a constraint to make the project manageable, make the book completion manageable, because we're talking about answering a particular question that resonates with a particular audience. And that question that resonates comes up in Mindset 2, which we'll cover next week. But it gives you that constraint. As I mentioned, it, it helps with all of the beyond the book stuff to where you're pushing out to, who you who you're engaging with. It helps with the call to action and the back of a copy, the next steps that you suggest people take, because again, you know who you're talking to, um, or you know who you're aiming to talk to. So it really is a it, like the key fundamental. I have just realized that we've just been talking about that and haven't actually run through what the what the stages are of that first mindset. So right well worth um well worth me not going off on too much of a tangent and jumping back to that so the first mindset choose a specific target audience at the first stage scores one through three you know that writing a book will help your business but you don't have any clear audience in mind so this is the the group of people who have perhaps heard a lot of other people talking about creating a book, just kind of fundamentally understand that 
a book is a good thing to write. I mean, as far as we're concerned, we're looking at people who are interested in writing a book. It's the book blueprint scorecard. So if you've never even considered writing a book, and this is why we say that this is a great tool as a lead conversion, perhaps a little bit more so than a lead generating tool. So the 90 minute book introduces the concept of writing a book at all. Now we're taking that a little bit further. So the assumption is that you've been thinking about it and you want to kind of measure your own score, kind of validate for yourself how far into this process you are, how likely you are to be successful. So at the lowest end, at the beginning stage, you know writing a book will help, writing a book will help your business, but you don't have a clear audience in mind. And I think we've we've covered why an audience is important. The second stage, so taking it a little bit further, this is scores four through six. So heading into the middle of it, you know which of your products and services you want to sell, but you don't have a clear understanding of which customers buy these. So this is the example that you were talking about before. You get people, you'll talk to people who kind of know the outcome, almost know which products and services kind of anecdotally or just based on their own gut feel or their own um, their own knowledge of the business. They know what customers respond to generally, what tools are popular, what um, what menus on the, what dishes on the menu are popular, what um, surgery or what, um, what elements of the dental practice uh, resonate well with customers. So they know the product and service side of it, but they haven't actually taken it to the next stage of thinking, okay, well, what are those customers, the people buying it, what do they want, what are they looking to get out of it, what's similar about that customer group, where are they coming from, what are they feeling? So that's coming to it from the kind of the outcome point of view. The third level then, and this is really getting to starting to get to a, a developed way of thinking about it. So scores seven through nine is you know the customers and clients you want to engage with, but you don't have a clear understanding of their motivations or what questions they're looking to get answered or the concerns they had. So as I just mentioned on stage two, that's really not even knowing who the people are. So stage three, you at least know who they are, but you haven't necessarily gone as far as thinking, okay, well, I know it's this group of people, but what really is their motivation? What's, what keeps them up at night? What is the most valuable piece of information I could share with them to, to answer a question in this particular book? And then the top level, stage four, so scores 10 through 12, this is the, the most refined thinking in terms of who you're trying to engage with so you have a specific customer group in mind you understand their most pressing concerns and questions and you have a compelling story to help them answer those concerns or move them from a position of being on the outside of the information to being on the inside of the information by sharing your expertise in a way that's that's really going to resonate with that group so for us, this is people we know very clearly that we resonate best yeah. with small to medium sized businesses, businesses that have been in business for more than a year. The founders or owners or managers of that have got a good understanding of who their customers are, who can answer questions like these. They might not know the answers to questions like these immediately because perhaps they've never been asked or never been asked in this way, but they've got enough knowledge and understanding to be able to answer it once we start probing and questioning and, and getting people to think in that way. Or community leaders that have been in their community for 
a year or more, they know the types of challenges that they're, they're trying to help address. All their educators that have been, um, or speakers that have been sharing a particular message for a period of time. And, and we say a year, but that's really just to kind of get this threshold of, if you're just learning the ropes and would struggle to put that knowledge into pages, then probably think about it a little bit more. But those types of people, we know who those groups are. We know the types of questions that they ask. We always get questions about the size of the content. We always get questions about making changes. We always get questions about the the production side of things. So as much as possible, we try to help people remove that constraint, remove that um, that barrier to get started by saying, hey, it's fine. You don't need to worry about that. We're, let's really focus on who you're trying to engage with, what the outcome is that you're trying to get to, who it is you can help, and just capture and what are the questions that really lead people from the, the question on the title to the call to action on the back page. How can you help people answer this one or two questions as deeply as possible and really give value back? And all of the other things, which for us particularly all tend to be kind of the mechanics of it. People get very hung up on the mechanics, but don't worry about it. We'll take care uh-huh. of that. None of this project is is a lock-in. None of it is a publishing deal where you're on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars. The financial investment is is low. I mean, very low compared with a lot of the competition out there, which is is um, is a lot higher. The you can always make changes to things. The important thing is who you're trying to resonate with and your the the message, the way that you resonate with them, leading them towards a, a logical minimum viable action next step. So anyone that's listening who is in that position, who has been in business for a period of time, who knows to a varying degree who the customers are that they're trying to engage with, what products and services they can best offer to fit that, what are the questions that are the most vexing or causing the most problems for people. And and they've got the skill, the expertise, they've been around long enough to be able to answer it. Then it's that group of people that we know we fit best with. So for you listening, it's the same way around. The customers coming in, if you're a dentist, you might know that it's middle school age kids who need some corrective dental work those are the people that you can make the biggest change for because your practice is pain-free your staff are nice to the kids the environment's nice you resonate well with the parents um you've got all these things set up if it's um pull with the osteopath and shockwave practice being able to make significant difference to someone who is looking at significant surgery achilles tendinopathy or shoulder tendon problems knowing that shockwave is a great solution for people that meet these particular criteria and his expertise means that he can talk about is it painful how long does it last what's the likelihood of it being successful what are the contraindications that means that i shouldn't get it if i'm comparing five different people who are offering shockwave how do i know which one offers the best value because I know that cost isn't necessarily the thing to to be driven by. Mike, looking at how going into an organisation and helping them pick up on the service elements that can take them from good to great, make themselves remarkable and really stand out in their people's minds. It's anyone who's in that type of environment, picking that single target market, knowing who it is that you're trying to resonate because of that expertise – 
that's the first step into making a book that is going to be super valuable at identifying invisible leads. But not only that, really gives the value to the people that you're targeting through this specific target audience. That was a lot of words again. <laughs> That's all right. It was it was interesting and, and informative. I think it's, uh, I just looked down at the clock and we kind of blown past the 30 minutes. I think we should probably stop saying right. this is a 30 minute podcast and just accept it's a 45 minute podcast. Although then we might drift <laughs> to an hour and an hour and 15. So um, exactly. that's, I think that's a good place to end. Um, I'll check in with you in a second, actually, and just check that I didn't miss anything or, or you got any comments on that first mindset. Um, while you're thinking about that, head over to um, 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 046. We're gone th- we've gone through the first of eight mindsets on the book blueprint score. So to see the whole scorecard, head across there and there's a couple of other links in the in the show to things that we've talked about if you want to run through the book blueprint score yourself and kind of fill out the the score and and get the results come back then head over to bookblueprintscore.com and you can follow the process through and and complete a scorecard for yourself um so just looping back then for that first mindset is there anything that's um that you can think that I missed or anything that kind of stands out that we haven't covered already? No, I honestly think that's probably, I mean, either you do or you don't really know your target audience or you need to think about it. There's sort of that, but I think that's probably of the mindset, the, the, I mean, that's the simplest one to think about because if you have the title, but I think, I think it's, you've covered everything and um, it's the scorecard is really, when you put that right in front of you and you just, it, it's thought provoking and um, it will really make you kind of dig into you and your business and, and not just your target market, but the whole aspect of it, you know? Um, so I, I, think, I, I think I really recommend people taking a peek at it and, and just start, you know, thinking about it a little bit. I think it definitely it prompts questions that you might not have been answered or in a way that haven't been answered mm-hmm. before this whole kind right. of, I know I should do a book, but I haven't really thought about who it should target or what it's for, or what the outcome is that I want the scorecard is a great way of kind of taking it to the next level. So rather than spending time and money just creating something, that time and money can be invested into something that really has a an outcome in mind. So that sounds good. So next week we will talk about the, um, well, the next time you and I talk, because I forget what the cycle is, but we might have uh, one of the other um one of the other shows in next week but uh the next time you and i talk we'll run through mindset number two which is picking a title that resonates and there's a few nuances around that and ways of thinking about it we did a titles workshop um not so long ago i'll put a link to that in the show notes as Mm -hmm. well and choosing a title is really the most important thing because it's the thing that gets someone to raise their hand before they read the book, before they get to the back cover, before their eyes really focus on the cover design, before you're worried about how many pages are in the book, all of that type of stuff. A a title that resonates is really the thing that gets invisible prospects to first pay attention to it. And, uh, and then we'll go through the other mindsets after that. So thanks for your time again, Betsy. I'm looking forward to the next show. And, um, as always actually should finish by saying as always, if anyone's got any questions, just shoot us an email to either podcast at 90 minute books or support at 90 minute books. And Betsy and I will get, uh, 
get messages that come through to both of those. We're just at the beginning of December, December the 1st. So always a great time to be thinking about your marketing plan into next year. So if you're ready to get started, thinking that uh, a book is going to be a great marketing tool for 2018, which um, really gives you a chance to leverage things, then head over to 90minutebooks.com and follow the Get Started link. And uh, really a couple of weeks into the into the new year, we can be talking about you as having the next one out there that's identifying some of these invisible leads. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Betsy. I will catch you in the next one. My pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.